This is Big Problems, an advice podcast. I'm David Chen. And I'm Stephen Tobolowski. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our episodes at bigproblemspodcast.com and write into us at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Each week, uh, we take your letters, which you've written into mail at bigproblemspodcast.com, read them on the air, and uh, you may get an answer to your question from legendary character actor, Stephen Tobolowski. A couple guidelines to state right off the bat. Uh, firstly, please let us know uh, whether we can use your name, what part of your name, first name, last name, uh, or feel free to use a pseudonym like Sleepless in Seattle or Heartbroken in Hoboken or whatever you please. Please be as specific as possible in your email. Uh, try not to write a one-sentence email. Try to give us a sense of kind of your situation and let us know what you're going through, you know, uh, so we can try and figure out a good answer for you. And just know that we may accept your emails on the air. So, Stephen, uh, let's get into it. This email is from Worthless Cliché, and it's a rather lengthy email. So uh, let's begin here. I have a broken heart, sort of. I tried so hard to be happy, and I really thought I almost was for a while. After all my friends fell away to their own partnerships, after years of me struggling with questions about my own independence and suitability, after thousands of lonely moments... A childhood friend came back into my life and suddenly I was loved. Or it seemed like love most of the time. I wanted it to be love. I liked it so much. I liked smiling and thinking about someone else when making plans. I liked thinking someone thought about me. I liked participating in the ordinary social narrative of romance that had eluded me for so long. It was a charming story. I commuted across time zones to be with him. We talked and played most nights when apart. I wrote and published poems about us. I sought a new job near him. I waited to buy furniture so we could move in together. I accommodated. He said he wanted me so much he couldn't even find words to say it. I am, of course, leading up to the predictable climax of acknowledging that he has someone else, and she calls him hers in circles wider than mine were with him. They go on holiday together. They know each other's families and colleagues. They have photos together. They probably don't meet up in the airport Hilton. I assume he's with her now. I spent five years trying very hard to love this man, and he spent five years trying to juggle us both and favoring her over me. I am so embarrassed by my situation that I can hardly function. I cannot tell anyone what's going on because I don't think I can handle the shame on top of it all. So while I will be glad for any wisdom on overcoming worthlessness, shame, and betrayal, or finding comfort and purpose, I suppose my real question is, how can I work toward my own experience of abundant love? Thank you for the opportunity to ask. Signed, Worthless Cliché. Quite a question, Stephen. Quite a letter. First, let me begin by saying... A broken heart is a real thing, and uh, science has acknowledged it. When when your heart's been broken in romance, as as yours has here, it it can even be life threatening. It 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 affects David. What do you call it when you get a flu or something? Your immune system. Your immune system. Yeah, your immune system is shot. You inflammation rises. You can't think clearly. But let me bring this up. Something that your letter has, besides a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of betrayal, there's a lot of clarity. You have an enormous amount of clarity in your letter. So I want to cut right to the chase. You signed this worthless cliche, 
And right there is the secret to happiness or not happiness. I think all of us in our lives create narratives about who we are and what we are. And you mentioned it here in your letter that this was connecting the dots from someone you knew in the past to someone in the future. I've done that. I've done there, Boy, there were so many girls that I, I had crushes on in high school. And, and the great thing about a high school crush or even beforehand is it's the one time in your life you're starting with a clean slate. Later on in life when, when you fall in love – it's all very complicated, like your relationship here, which is why we hearken and we, we, we feel attached to those early relationships. It isn't just the love we want. We want the clean slate. In signing this letter, worthless cliche, what you've done is describe your own story. You see yourself as worthless cliche. One of the things that creates strength and abundant love is being able to tell our own personal story with a respect for ourselves and not thinking of ourselves as worthless. And I do believe that that's a matter of decision. A good part of that is decision. Now, certainly, it has to be earned by us in a way. The two things that lead to boundless love is something my dear friend Bob used to tell me, is when you feel you're at the end of everything, is to expose yourself to something elemental, whether it be the, the sky, the ocean, the trees, the snow. Put yourself into nature. That's number one. And number two, allow yourself to be inspired by something. I think the trigger for all love, self-love, which is very important so you don't feel like a worthless cliche, and love that you can give to others is based on being inspired, inspired by things that you've seen in your own life, and that way we can always make a new clean slate. Inspiration kind of brings its own clean slate with it. And we don't need to have to go back to our childhood boyfriend and girlfriends to find that feeling again. We can make that feeling tomorrow. Are you worthy of love? Of course you are. And, and something a great acting teacher told me once, and this is important for a lot of people out there. Your letter is not just angry. It's hurt. And what he told me was, he said, hurt is the gateway to all healing. Anger, anger is like a... Uh, manhole cover that kind of keeps everything sealed underneath. But if you can experience the hurt, then you are on your way to being healed. It doesn't feel good, but you're on your way to being healed. So try to be in something elemental and find ways to be inspired. This actually reminds me of a movie that you were in, Stephen. Uh-oh. It's called Memento. I, I and, thought you were going to say Mr. Magoo for a while. But. <laughs> Memento was about a guy who couldn't uh, remember anything. He, didn't, yeah. he couldn't make short-term memories. Yeah. And the last thing he remembered was his wife dying, right? His wife was brutally assaulted and killed. And, and in the assault, his brain was damaged, so he couldn't make new memories. And he had this question that he asked rhetorically, like, how can I heal if I can't feel time, 
you know? Mm-hmm. How can you get better if you can't experience the passage of time? Because for him, he couldn't experience the passage of time. It just, all he could remember is what just happened. Uh, and I think to, to some of the points that you were making about embracing kind of the pain, right? Like experiencing pain helps you grow and help you be better, right? You know, yeah. accept the fact that uh, some things just take a long time to get over and experience that hurt and live in it and dwell in it and know that it will probably get better. So th- that's my thoughts is just when you we said that and I, I thought about that movie that you're in and it sounds like, yeah, this, this person has been through a lot. On top of that also, yeah, taking back your narrative, Stephen, uh, I really like that. You know, and, 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 and you can make it a positive narrative. What, one thing, worthless cliche, let me just bring this up. In fact, I don't even want to call you that again. Right. Because I think you are uh, intuitive. Uh, on so, your letter is, is so lovely. Twice in my life, I've ended up falling on the ground crying because I lost the woman in my life at that particular time. Once it was my girlfriend, Beth, and once it was the woman I'm married to now, Anne, found myself lying on the ground crying. And the first time I remember, I went to a psychiatrist and I asked him, (laughs) how do I feel better? What can I do to stop this hurt? I feel like I'm dying not only every day, I feel like I'm dying every hour and every minute. And he started laughing and he said, well, that's just how you're going to feel. That's exactly what it feels like when you have a broken heart. There's nothing I can do about it. It was the best piece of advice I ever got, and it was the last time I went to the son of a bitch. It's like you, you, you can take your narrative back anytime you want, and you could rewrite it as something beautiful and successful. And all it takes is take that psychic piece of blank paper and take that pen and start writing now. Write, write tomorrow. Thank you for writing that email, and we will not refer to you as worthless cliche again, but uh, appreciate it. Um, you know, and that actually, this email kind of reminded us of this other email that we also received from Sarah, who writes in mm. from Seattle. Uh, Sarah writes, and the first thought that comes to mind is something that I'm doing right now, changing my life. Mm. Something I had to give. I told myself that by 42, my life had to be different. On my 42nd birthday, I was in my first weekend of grad school, had walked away from my career, was dating after a decade of being alone, and my life was changed. I knew it'd be hard. I knew I'd miss things like making money, having the alone time, having the spontaneity, and I know what I'm doing is the right thing. I've been surprised by people coming up to me and talking about how brave they think I am, how they wish they could just chuck their lives to their dreams. My response is, I didn't have a choice. The life I was leading was okay, but I was miserable. Something had to give. The advice that I'm asking is what to expect when changing your life and what to expect if you don't and why some stay where they are and some don't. Back to change. I walk in graduation in 17 Mondays. I'm reminded of the Colin Hay song that I'm waiting for my real life to begin, and I'm living it already. Although once school is over, beginning of the new beginning starts. New job, new loans, New ways of walking in my world. It's exciting, it's terrifying, and it's beautiful. It feels like a roller coaster. So that's an email that comes in from Sarah from Seattle. The question is, what to expect when changing your life and what to expect if you don't? And you've certainly had moments in your life when you knew you had to change things, Stephen. Yeah, definitely. I, I, 
several times when I felt I had to change things. Um, you know, whenever I, I'm, I'm lucky in this way because being an actor, I travel a lot which means I automatically have to change things. I, I had to leave my home and family here to go do a show in New York. And it, it, it wasn't just my choice. My wife helped make the choice with me. She said, get out of this house. Not really. But she allowed me to go to New York to follow my dream to be on Broadway and of course, everything changes. You're not with the people you love. You're not living in the same house. You don't go to the same stores, the same coffee. You, you don't go to the same lawn. You don't get your laundry done the same way. Nothing, the air doesn't smell the same. The vegetation is not the same. And it's enormously exciting. But the thing I found, Sarah, in Seattle, is that within a few weeks, I had created routine again. All my life, I was thinking that I, we were creatures of the roller coaster. We were always looking for the next big, exciting thing to happen in our life. But now I really think that much of our energy is to turn those roller coasters into interstate highways <laughs> nice. with, with speed limits. <laughs> and so, Sarah, your question is what to expect when you start your new life. I congratulate you for your courage. I understand what you say, that you had no choice. That makes things easy. But I would bet, and, and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But I, I, I expect that in a few weeks, months at most, you will find a way to turn your new life into routine as well. And that is why you have to be on guard there's several ways that we become miserable. We become miserable if we don't have jobs. We become miserable if we don't have love. We become miserable if we don't have intellectual stimulation. And we become miserable if our spirits are not fed in doing what we do. So Sarah in Seattle, you said you had no choice because you were miserable. Make sure that the thing that made you miserable doesn't travel with you on this new life. It could be a deficit in one of those categories that made you miserable. Make sure that you feed all four wells of your being, the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual. And <laughs> we all like a good roller coaster, but we don't like it every day. Uh, just... Uh, have a nice window to look out of, no matter where you go. That's what I always look for, finding a nice window. <laughs> that really sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but, Stephen, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Uh, I think you said it really beautifully. So uh, we could wrap it up there. If you want to write in with your email to me and Stephen Tobolowski, do so at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Find every episode of this show at bigproblemspodcast.com. We'll see you guys next week. Adios.